Welcome to an Emory Debate podcast on June 30th. I'm James Herndon, the Director of Debate Programs here at Emory University. Uh, joining me is Lauren Jacob, whose title is... Associate Director of Community Outreach. There you go. Uh, Associate Director of Community Outreach. And so what I wanted to talk about today, I thought a good topic for our podcast, um, we'll talk about a lot of debate stuff, but an early one is Lauren runs a cool program that we do called um, College 101. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about College 101? And yeah, so College 101 is an offshoot from College Bridge. College Bridge is our main program. That's the umbrella of giving op- higher education exploration opportunities to our students. It started out as high schoolers only. We're trying to do more of a middle school bridge option as well on high school bridge. Um, we currently work with elementary schools, basically K through 12 at this point. Um, and so really at every de- developmental stage, um, you really can't reinforce the importance of um, post-secondary education enough and really just being transparent about what's out there, what's available for you, and what's the best option for you. Okay, and who's the so who's the you that the program serves now? Is it just Atlanta UDL students? Is it... um... Yeah, so originally it started like that. Um, Our College Bridge program currently serves our UDL debaters, um, elementary through high school. In particular, College 101 is a program that we run during the summer that started just with high schoolers. And this is our first year. We added some middle schoolers as well. And actually, these are people that have found um, found this program through either the internet or word of mouth. Some of them are debaters, some of them are not debaters, and that's okay with us. All of them have some sort of interest in preparing for their future and their post-secondary um, future, basically. And some of us know through debate, they like public speaking, they like uh, a lot of critical thinking, they're very, very engaged intellectually. Um, and they just want to experience something different. Okay. Um, so I want to kind of get into the content of College 101. That's the part that sort of interests me the most. Um, you made fun of me because I said it was my favorite program, and then you pointed out that I haven't actually been to a College 101 days. But uh, what are some of the things that we're going to cover or we're going to do? Um, and you can go slow. I want to sort of talk about mm-hmm. them. But, like, day one, we show up. What are we doing? Day one, let's kind of build some rapport and meet each other so we're not strangers and we're not feeling uncomfortable. Um, This is really, it's only three days long, so I really want everyone to feel comfortable and get to know, um, get to know not just the other participants, but the staff and their environment as well. Um, So our staff is actually made up of a variety of people. We have a lot of guest visitors. Um, This could be anywhere from faculty of the university to attorneys out in the field um, to current college debaters. Um, And our main staff is composed of um, pretty much our AUDL family. So we all work in several different capacities and they've basically volunteered their time to be somewhat of a guide to these students. Um, We get to know each other the first day And I really like to focus on having activities that are super engaging. Um, They are, this is not just sitting in a lecture, this is not just meeting an admissions officer, but we're really looking at different perspectives and different viewpoints. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I try to make it fun and interactive, so we're kind of doing a college, starting off with a college trivia, um, just to let loose be a little silly, but also learn something at the same time. Um, I love the I love the report thing. My, mm-hmm. One of my when we went through the scholars process, what Melissa talked about is it's uncanny how uncomfortable kids in this process are about talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, and we're talking about kids who ended up getting full rides to Emory, but but when they sat down to talk to in a mock interview, a real interview, they're like, "Yes, my name is James. I want to be a doctor. I'm excited about college." It's like every kid in the country can give that answer. What right. is it about you? Like when, you know, how do you, interacting with old p- people. Right. How do you, huge. yeah, how do you mature your identity into <clears throat> someone who is going to be basically a young adult? You're on the other side of the hill and you are yourself, but you're still growing yeah. a lot and you're reshaping yourself a lot. Um, see, actually, uh, uh, one answer to your question is I've done this for two years previously, and I started out by doing, oh, well, we'll do an admissions lesson. We'll do how to fill out the Common App, um, which is all very useful and very, very important. Sure. But what I found out was that students are very savvy nowadays, um, and things are a lot more accessible, especially with technology. Sure. Um, we were we are still covering that, but this year I really wanted to turn it around and focus solely on not solely but mainly on rapport and networking. Mm. Um, something I've noticed that is very um, it's it's not very explicit is that um, networking and developing relationships and just basic communication skills and interpersonal skills. That's really one of the most important keys that transcends multiple circumstances and times and settings. So, for example, um, we work at Emory, and our students here, I mean, they are just always building relationships. They're always looking out for opportunities. And that's not done by just sending an email or sending a text message. This is done by learning how to connect with the person. Sure. Um, learning how to have a conversation and build trust. This is something that's important in any line of work or in any university classroom um, or any job you'll have in the future. So I really wanted to focus on that. I think the highlight program of this uh, College 101 workshop will be um, a networking activity that we set up. So I asked about 10 staff members from the Campus Life Division at Emory to act as somewhat of a... um, interviewer. Okay. So um, students are, we're going to talk about developing some interpersonal skills, how to utilize them in different settings. And they're going to have somewhat of a semi-professional rapport building session with them. We, I gave them some guiding questions if we, they really had nothing to talk about. Um, but this is a chance for them to be outside of their comfort zone and learn how to make something out of nothing. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. That's really cool. So one of the suggestions that we make early on when the Emory debaters come up is building rapport with your professors. Mm-hmm. And my favorite suggestion is office hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was that there was an article that came out about the death of office hours and professors. Like people became professors because they want to build relationships, office hours. And so a lot of our kids have had a lot of positive feedback. It's hard for me to imagine what that is for a high school student at a local Atlanta high school or any high school that might be listening to this. What would be your like first step? Once they get back, who should they look to to build rapport with? 
Once they get back to their high schools? Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, they can mm-hmm. build rapport over the summer, and they're building rapport because right. they're at Emory, but what about a student that doesn't have access to College 101? Who would you, right. who should they search out to build a relationship with? I mean, anyone. It could be pretty much any adult you run into. It could be your teacher. It could be a friend. Um really sometimes you never know who you're going to meet um it's just about being open and friendly and realizing that everyone's connected in some in some sort of way and so it could either be at your school or it could be out in the community volunteering anything like that the point is no matter where what school you go to what university if you don't have a professor that doesn't have office hours it doesn't matter there's there's so many opportunities out there you really just have to have your eyes open cool meeting people who went to a school you're interested in or yeah. uh, what about like teachers and guidance counselors as part of that like getting good rec letters is that part of the rapport or is that separate yeah i mean i think everything's rapport i think when it comes to rec letters and more of the logistical aspects of the college application process that's very important as well um i definitely having been on both sides of the equation, it's definitely extremely important for that person writing you a recommendation or offering you an opportunity that they know you personally, that they know who you are. Um, There's a lot of accomplished people out there. A lot of people can work hard. But you also have to show through your character and your integrity. Okay. So we've done introductions. What's what's Mm -hmm. next on our agenda, College 101? Um, we're going to leave College 101 with an action plan. Um, this action plan, it's it's pretty simple. It's just what are you going to do now? What are you going to do later? Who's going to help you with this? Um, the cool thing about this action plan is you don't have to know everything. And the beauty of the three days is uh, there's got to be a, at least 20 or so um, mix of staff members and students rotating in and out of this program. They're going to meet a lot of people, and these people can consult with them on their action plan and give them feedback and advice. Um, There's a lot of students that apply that want to become attorneys. They want to enter the legal field. Sure. You know, we'll have students in law school. We'll have attorneys come visit, and they could um, kind of give them their two cents. Um, So, and again, this is where the interpersonal skills come back. Um, you got to take advantage of that time, maybe that five minutes you have with them. Um... So, yeah. So, when you say action plan, is that that just going to be a list of things to do as I start my senior year, as I start my junior year? Yeah, so somewhat of a timeline with um, action items. Okay. Um, So, it could be anywhere from I will explore, I will look into three colleges that I'm interested in in the Mm. state of Georgia. Three colleges that I'm interested in out of state. Or it could be something like, I will create a LinkedIn profile and I will ask someone to go to coffee to talk to them about their their career and maybe shadow them. Um, it could really be anything, but the point is to write it down, hold yourself accountable, and I hope to have a copy of this so I can hold them accountable as well. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So... Yeah, share, sh- make an action plan and then share it with mm-hmm. someone who can ask you about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they always say making your goals public sure. creates some accountability. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So in terms of colleges, and this is maybe a little off topic and I should have asked a little bit more beforehand, 
Didn't we, did we ever come up with a list of all of the universities with debate scholarships and stuff? Yep. Is that, avail is that an available resource online somewhere? It is. We have, um, on the atlantadebate.org website, we have a list of, uh, we have two different lists. We have one of all the current policy debate programs in the colleges throughout the country, mm -hmm. and we also have a list of debate scholarships. Mm. It's a very, very lengthy list, Yeah, um, which is great. Um, I would just, when it comes to scholarships, I would just recommend, you know, using this as a guide, making sure that the scholarship is still being offered Yeah, um, and, and taking it from there. Yeah, that, it's a random sidebar, but I try to tell students every time I talk to them, like, one, reach out to college debate mm -hmm. coaches. You, I, kids do so much policing of themselves. They're like, well, I'm no good. I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not getting speaker awards. It, college debaters want people. They, mm -hmm. College debate teams need students, and so they definitely need to reach out. And then second, you know, spread your net wide. Yes, Emory Debate has a great debate program, mm -hmm. best ever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there are lots of places with debate, and if you like it, you sure. know, and Emory's not within your, you know, within your possibilities. Absolutely. There are plenty of other programs that are available. Um, yeah, reach out. Networking 101. Totally agree. Um, so do we have a... The, the, this sounds awesome. Anything else on our to-do list? We are going to have a couple of debates. Um, LinkedIn is one of my favorite sites for seeing... Uh, the trends. Um, I feel like there's a tr new trend every day in every industry and in every place. Um, and so they do a great job with blogging and keeping up on what's going on, either in higher education and or just other areas of interest. Um, I often look at these LinkedIn articles and they're very, very provocative and very innovative. And um, I asked one of our staff members who is beginning his career, actually, as a college debate coach at UGA, um, to conduct some debates. Um, obviously, we are debate people. Critical thinking is key to what we do. Um, and I think that's a great vehicle for uh, learning. And so um, he's going to have a couple of questions. He's, he's working on it at the moment. Um, but looking at maybe some hot topic in higher education, mm. these things are, these hot topics not exactly what you'd learn in a Kaplan course or in maybe through your guidance counselor. Um, these are the big issues that will impact every college student. Um, and it's just not logistical. This is um, something systematic or it's something that's a trend or it's something related to the government and law and legislation. Um, and they're really important to know about. Um, and so we're going to have some discussion about this, and it usually gets pretty heated because, again, some of these students are debaters. So um, it's it's really great to know. They get informed, and uh, a lot of the time it changes their perspective on how things are. That's great. That's great. Um, do you have any thoughts on guidance counselors and, and, and reaching out to them or what role they should play? Yeah, I mean... Definitely reach out to your guidance counselor. They have probably the most up-to-date information on all the procedures and processes in place. Um, they are, I, I went to school to be a guidance counselor and I didn't work with uh, secondary students, but um, 
they are trained to be extremely good listeners. They're trained to pick up on the nuances of what what you are thinking about and what you're hoping for. And so they're great people to talk to overall. And again, they might not have all the answers at once, but they know how to direct you into the right place. Um, and it's always a good starting point. Yeah, and it uh, develop. I, I did not take advantage of my college yeah, counselor either. at all, and, and my wife really did, and, mm-hmm. and ended up getting one of her college recs from mm-hmm. her guidance counselor, who, yeah. who then, because she had a relationship with her, mm-hmm. she applied for so many scholarships that she had information on. and mm-hmm. you, you didn't necessarily mention your guidance counselor's networking, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that that seems like a good one because they're there to do that job. Oh yeah, I mean, it, and it's more than a job. There's professional developments and there's um, professional organizations dedicated just to school counseling. Um, there's a ton of academic research conducted on the impact of school counseling and the importance of it, um, and they're always trying to improve their their um, profession and their practice. So uh, it's it's very important. So, anything about standardized tests, and test taking, as part of College One Hundred and One, or do you feel that's just totally overdone? I'll be honest; it's something I I don't feel like I am the one to guide them in this. Um, okay. We do cover just kind of the basic information on SAT. Um, It's not my area of expertise, uh, but I would say probably the most important thing to know is that the SAT is being revamped for 2016, Um, and it's actually a debater that uh, wrote the new format of the SAT, and so it's very critical thinking um, oriented, a lot more writing to it, um, Hmm. and and it's great, a lot more evidence-based material. Um, and so we are going over how that is going to change because that'll be a pretty huge deal. Um, and we also go over what which tests would appeal to you more based on your personality and your strengths and your weaknesses. Would it be the ACT or the SAT or what else is out there? Do colleges or are there colleges that don't even take either of them? Um, and so we kind of we kind of cover it as a whole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just seems like that's the that's the scary big part. Um, it's a scary big part, but I think a lot of people go down the rabbit hole with it, okay. um, and it gets a little bit narrow scoped. Yeah. Uh, so I really want everyone to look at these issues as a whole. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And one of my favorite debate things is just like debate has such a good vocabulary about mm-hmm. it. Um, learning some of the phrases from debate whether oh, yeah. we're talking philosophy or not, can really increase your SAT score. And it sounds like it's they're changing to make that even more true. Yes. Because um, it's a bunch of language that's used in argument already, and so if you're good at it, then it, it would have some natural spillovers. Mm-hmm. So in our email, when I was talking about setting this up, one of the things that you mentioned a couple of times is something I've thought a lot about, which is the first-generation college students, mm-hmm. which is a good percentage, but not all of the population that College 101 serves. Um and you hear that all the time around Emory. Like we, we've had faculty meetings or staff mm-hmm. meetings where they've been like, "Oh, first generation." What? What's the big? What is? What's the big thing? Like, why does that matter? I know, but I want I want your thoughts. Like, why? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, I'm still learning that myself. I, you know, just being at Emory, um, 
they have made it a huge priority to um, to help first generation college students succeed. Yeah. Um, we are trying to um, widen the pool so more people have access, more people have opportunities. Um, and it's still, from what I see, it's still a huge struggle. Yeah. Um, I don't even have as many first generation college students in College 101 as I would like. Um, and so this is something I am trying to explore and understand a little bit more. Um, I know at Emory right now, um, there's a lot of talk about first-generation college students or students that um, cannot afford college. Yeah. And it's how do you serve and but maintain the level of quality for everyone. Um, and it's a struggle. I think everyone's just trying to figure it out, but it's very important. It's... Uh, so. I, th- I wish that kids who didn't have access to financial resources were made aware of mm-hmm. how much colleges are out there, both mm-hmm. federally and on the mm-hmm. college level, to help make that mm-hmm. college not out of reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's the biggest difference. I think if your parents went to college, they know it's not a, they, it's a possibility for you. And if your parents didn't get to college, then, oh, my goodness, we don't have enough money or mm-hmm. I don't know enough about it. and. Mm-hmm. I think that's all, it's overcoming a psychological barrier. Yeah, absolutely. For college, um, absolutely. And then you spoke about, and then there's obviously some financial barriers mm-hmm. um, that are huge. That in that, a lot of people who didn't go to college don't have access to the financial. You know, going to college makes you more money, right. and over the long run, right? Uh, there's all these articles out there about oh well, how do Harvard graduates compare to? Um, you know, being offered jobs compared to non-Ivy Leaguers, and um, I mean, it runs the gamut in response, and, but some people say there is no difference, and it is what you make of it, and um, I I love Emory University, and I definitely think it's the perfect place for some people, has an amazing resources and opportunities, um, but again, yeah, that shouldn't be something that holds you back if you can't afford the tuition at Emory, or you don't get a scholarship or financial aid, there's so many other options out there and personally I chose to go to a state school because it was more affordable for myself and I'm not first generation um, college bound but that school was large it had a research institution and it had equally so many opportunities and um, and I loved it um, I think at Emory I would have thrived as well um, just in a different way. It's all different, but the opportunities are there. It's just learning how to navigate it and take advantage of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and transferring is always an option. Mm-hmm. And I, I love to tell students that, you know, I've, 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 my best friend growing up only got into, he was so depressed that he only got into middle Georgia college and then he absolutely loved it there. Just loved yeah. it, loved it, loved it. And then his junior year, he transferred to UGA, which yeah. is where he wanted to get a degree from, um, and in hindsight, he's like, oh, I kind of wish I had just stayed at Middle Georgia College. <laughs> I was having fun there. And, right. And it's not like anyone checks my diploma um, right. anymore. And my boss, at the, the boss at the place where he work, he works at AAA, his boss is a Middle Georgia College grad. And he's mm-hmm. like, I went through so much trouble oh, yeah. and so much finances to move to Athens to get a degree that yeah. um, I, I think that's fine. I think we stress out about where we're going to be. and we gotta There's so much anxiety and anticipation 
before one gets to their college. Sure. And so you can't worry about, oh, is it going to be right or wrong? Or I don't know if I'm going to like it. I mean, you will figure it out when you get there. <laughs> and there are, again, there's so many other um, ways to navigate your experience. There are the college version of school counselors at college, and that's what they're there for. Yeah. Um, if you don't feel like you made the right decision, then let's let's look again and revisit it. And, uh, and sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. So it's more like a nonstop journey. People think they got there, they're done. Um, but you're always learning who you are, and you're always re-evalu- reevaluating what you want. Totally agree. Um, so the, you, you had a thing in your email, I don't know if you want to talk about it, about industry and career demands are more dynamic mm-hmm. than ever. And yeah. I think you were starting to get there, but what does that mean? What, what is that about for College 101 purposes and, and applying to college? As someone who uh, facilitates College 101 programs and College Bridge, it is so hard to keep up with the trends and um, what, everything that's out there. Um, I think that now with technology and globalization, it's just, you know, zero to 60 miles per hour um the opportunities out there they're changing all the time and i think what millennials will discover is that adaptation to um where they need to be or where they want to be in their career is absolutely crucial um it used to be 50 years ago you're in the same career all your life for 40 years you retire you're done not like that anymore. I think I read somewhere that you have like eight to ten career changes in your life. Um, I think I've already had arguably like maybe two. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's when you look at people and it's really actually pretty common. Um, I mean the world has different demands and it's changing all the time and people are learning faster and better than ever. Um, And I think it's just not this simple linear Uh, prediction anymore. I think we have to get comfortable with not knowing what's next and being ready to change. And maybe you go to college saying, I'm going to do my dream job or follow my passion. It might look a little bit different when it comes to getting a job and making a living. And it might look a little different than what you experienced. But I I, I just want millennials to know that that's okay and to expect that and um, you'll make the most of it. Cool. So, any parting thoughts? Any anything to throw in there? Anything to conclude with? Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, it's kind of an interesting thing that I'm trying to learn more about. Um, you know, I was only in college like ten years ago, um, and it's just changed <laughs> so much since then. You're so old. Is that young or old? <laughs> um, and so I think. Uh, yeah, I'm just ready to learn more and see how I can help um, kind of guide our students from where we are and and start younger and younger so students are starting to shape their their post-secondary yeah. identity. Yeah, so, so networking. Networking. Action plans to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Seek out assistance wherever you can. Continue to debate because it is a fantastic activity for preparing you for standardized tests, etc. Of course. Uh, be ready to adapt. And, Don't and expect one to thing adapt. to stay the same forever. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I think that's it. We'll go ahead and...
close it up. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the Emory Debate Podcast, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>